0: Hello, and welcome to episode three of The Stuff of Stories. I'm Ian Pringle, and I'm here with Sarah Jane Rose, who's now going to introduce you to our guest this week.
1: So I'm here with Kit Murdoch, who runs an improv company and... I wanted to bring her in to talk about how storytelling is used in improv and specifically within her improv company. Now, I know about Kit because I'm also in that improv group because Kit forced me to join it uh, about four years ago. So, hello, Kit. Hello. That is true. That's a true story. It is indeed a true story. I Once upon a time, I was an actor and I never wanted to do any improv. And then Kit went, just come and do it. And I went, oh, all right then.
2: Yeah, and people did. fear improv. They fear it massively.
1: And I think because people don't, people also don't associate it necessarily with storytelling. They think it's just about yes. being hilarious and weird, and it's not uh, really yes.
2: And we've got whose line is it anyway? To thank for that, which is a shame. Yeah,
1: because it was a good I mean, show. it's Great, it was. Yeah, and. And it probably, you know, it did a huge amount for improv. People probably wouldn't be doing as much improv now if it wasn't for it. But it means that people pigeonhole improv in 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 that framework. So tell us a bit about
0: going in. Sorry, I was just thinking but that that the Clive Anderson. That was all a bit. Was it Clive Anderson? Mm, yeah. Yep. That was all. Um, it was all solely for entertainment, wasn't it? They, you know, the kind of you you were rewarded for making everybody laugh and rewarded for all of those things, which I suppose. That puts the pressure on, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's a down,
1: yeah. there's a, it's very much gameplay and sh- and and short form, which is which is great and can be really fun. But there's a, there's a whole another side to improv, which is what Foghorn is about. So tell us a bit about setting up Foghorn and what you what your vision was for it. Kit.
2: Yeah, so I came into it as a theatre director, and I only did improv because I wanted to add it as a string to my bow. I wanted to learn more about it. And when I got into improv, everyone was doing that short, funny game thing. But I was a theatre director, so I didn't want it to be short and funny. I wanted us to be able to cry on stage. I wanted us to be able to tell a full story from start to finish. And there wasn't a group out there at the time that was doing that in Birmingham. I still don't really think there is. So, I mean, I can't believe it's 10 years ago, but it's 10 years ago we set up Foghorn solely with the aim of making improvised stories so a start a middle and an end and something where it's improvised but the audience still feel like they're watching a theatre show it's not we're not gonna yeah we laugh of course we laugh there are moments that are just hilarious because they're accidental and they're spontaneous and they're joyous but my aim was to make basically improvised theatre
1: and do and do you think um, do you think that Were people responsive to that in terms of the actors that you set it up with? Did you all sort of decide that 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 was what you're going to do? How did you come up with your first show?
2: Um, I did have a bit of a battle with some people in the group. (laughs) So we've got some people in the group who are hilarious. Um, And you can be hilarious for sort of two or three minutes and then you throw it away. And the problem with telling a full story is you can't just throw it away. (laughs) You have to remember what happened right at the beginning. And I think that created in our group quite a lot of um, anxiety. Um, Because, you know, if you throw something away after three minutes, it doesn't really matter if you make a small mistake. So I did, I do remember someone, and I'm not going to say who, but they're brilliant and they're still brilliant, coming to me and saying, I can't do it. I don't think I can do this. Because to them... Improvisation had always been short, sharp, funny, hilarious. at The end.
0: Mm. But but it's funny. I, I'm thinking. Sorry. No, Sarah. go on. Yeah, no
1: go.
2: On.
0: I was just thinking about. Um, so I've done my fair share of sort of running workshops and things, and and having and sometimes setting up little improvisations. And the thing when I see other people do it, it's like either you don't give people enough time, or there's the other thing where it's like, oh my god please find a way to help them stop because they don't know where the end is. They've no idea how to get out of this this dreadful loop. So I would be having watched that a lot of times, I, I would be really frightened I think <laughs> of just going, how are we gonna get how are we getting out of this though? this, this show could be five hours long if we don't <laughs> find some way of getting out of, of, the, of the show. Is that something that that, that, that happens after finding endings?
2: Yes, but I guess a bit like storytelling, you have a structure and you have an awareness of what an ending is. Um, so one of the shows that we do quite, a, that we sort of started doing early on was called What the Dickens and it's an improvised Charles Dickens. And the thing there is that we collectively have to know who the main character is. Um, and, you know, it can be, in the very first shows we did, we actually made the audience pick who the central character is. And then we kind of went, okay, we don't need that kind of crutch anymore. But the point there is when that character's been on a journey and has changed from where they started to where they ended, that's the end of the show. So you're looking for that character to have a journey that has a change and hopefully a resolution. But you were saying about just about how to get out of things. We have this thing called editing and you will edit a scene. And you try and edit a scene on a high, Um, but we have this thing where if you think that you should edit the scene, like you should end a scene and start one, if you think you should have done it, then you should have done it. So the idea is edit a scene soon, because if the audience love it, we can come back to those characters later. So we try never to leave something hanging or something kind of going nowhere or something kind of with two performers who look like they're uncomfortable on stage. That should never happen. We edit and then we can fix it later.
0: So, so when you say edit, because edit to me immediately and maybe to other people uh, makes, makes me think of post, just like we just said. So something about like, that's what I do afterwards. Um, but you're, I'm assuming, not saying that because this is live.
2: Yeah, so we're saying... End of the scene. That's what okay. an, ed- an edit means. So it means it's, end the scene. Yeah. So at scene.
0: that moment there where you felt like, oh, didn't want to say that that we need to leave this that's where you just stop it's
1: normally another actor that that does it so one of the things that we do is that so uh, a scene is coming to a natural end it's actually up to or it should be up to your fellow actors to come on stage and start the next scene so the edit is normally the way we do it is that if you walk on stage in front of the scene you ended that scene and you've started a new scene and that's how you edit the scene um,
2: brilliant so you
0: could bring in something new which would be like an indication to the actors by the way that scene's finished you finished your scene new. get off yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah and the nice, nice
2: thing is that the worst place to view a scene is in the middle of it so if you've got an actor on the side viewing the scene they have a much better understanding of when that scene has reached its its climax or its pinnacle or the audience have laughed they know I don't yeah now let's
0: go yeah yeah great and so I suppose and so it sounds like the actors in the group have become more and more attuned to that sort of actor director role where it's like oh I'm stepping in I'm taking over from from those yeah great.
2: and I found very early on that I was the only person who would edit scenes because well, it's um, quite scary because you're scared of particularly earlier on
1: you're you're scared of upsetting someone am i ruining their scene am i have i got an idea for the next thing we are not supposed to it's improvise you know you're improvising just get on stage and make something up so i say that having not done it many times um and um you know but you're supposed to take that action and be but it is scary at first because you do just think oh god i'm literally i'm like putting a clapperboard in front of my fellow actors but a lot of the time they want you to do that because you we've had it obviously in rehearsals and stuff where you're like somebody edit this scene we've got nowhere to go we've we've done it you know please just come on and end otherwise we're just talking nonsense so so that's quite interesting let's just go let's just head back a little bit before for so because of the way that you you set this up and and you decided that you wanted to do storytelling how did you create a structure in order to do that, because as Ian said, if you just got a button you said, oh, well, just go on stage and make up a story based on some stuff that the audience said, uh, it could either just happen in three seconds and be over, just be full of gags, or, or just never end.
2: So how did you create a, a structure for them to work with? So there's quite a famous uh, guy called Ken Adams, and he wrote something called A Story Spine. And I believe... But it then incorrectly got attributed to Pixar because Pixar picked up on it. And it's quite simple and it goes, uh, once upon a time there was an every day until one day and because of that and because of that and because of that until finally and ever since then. And that's (laughs) a really simple thing that Pixar apparently now use with most of the their structures. And so we started, that was one of the points that we used because it was quite a a well-known improv thing. We started with that. The guy, Ken Adams, has also written a book called How to Improvise a Full-Length Play. So I read that and we tried that and we found that was way too complicated, just off the scale of complicated. Like, Like you had a lens and a, a, just like, are we at the lens of conflict yet? And I'd be like, I have no idea. And everyone's like, I thought we were still in act one. And nobody could keep up with the structure. And we were doing a murder mystery. And I got fed up. (laughs) I was getting fed up because people in the murder mystery weren't getting to the point where they would kill someone. The whole point of a murder mystery is characters have to be so angry um or so devious that they would kill someone and i said imagine you're in red so think of it like red it's full-on red and from that we came up with this traffic light system of green amber red so green is the beginning where you're creating characters and you're creating your world and you're not putting any plot in there you're just saying this is the status quo and that would be your once upon a time there was an every day and then amber is where something changes um and the chain should be organic. It shouldn't be, I'm a werewolf, you know, suddenly from nowhere. <laughs> it should be something that's been mentioned earlier. Like someone be might be saying, Oh, when I inherit my money, um, you know, I'm hoping to buy this this beautiful castle. And then later on, it's like, mm, I think I've been written out of the will. So it's not, it's not come from nowhere. It's it's a small step. And then Because of that, because I've been written out of the will, what do I want to do now? Well, maybe I want to take revenge. And because I want to take revenge, what do I do next? So that would be your amber. And then finally in red, I'm furious that I've been written out of the will. I'm furious with my brother because I think he made friends with mum to get me right out of the will. And now we have a murder. And so that's a very simple traffic light system that we use. Green, amber, red to get everyone on the same page without needing to know this kind of 40-step structure. Three colours, green, amber, red. Beautiful.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and it it works really well. Like you say, it just keeps everybody... On the same page and working towards the same... And normally with with that is we obviously... We have a time limit, effectively, because normally those shows will be... You know, it's either, you know, two sessions or it's... You know, we've done them in an hour um, and that kind of thing. So you'll be almost... You'll know when you need to start ramping it up to amber, to red, because you know you've got to get to red before the end of the show. Otherwise, you've failed. Um, So, yeah. So do do you think... um, in terms of that, in terms of people being uh, sort of tied into the story and, and an for an audience watching that kind of um, show, do they come expecting, what do they come expect? Do they come expecting a full show? Do they know what they're getting?
2: Um, it's interesting because we actually changed the name of the group. We used to be called um, Foghorn Improv and I changed it to Foghorn Unscripted because we sometimes got feedback. That like I got some strange feedback in a theatre once that we weren't blue enough, like they thought we should have put more adult content into it. And I looked at our poster and I was like, where in this poster did you think you were coming to see some sort of sweary, adult, innuendo-laden show? Um, but I think it's the word improv. Improv is whose lines it? anyway? It's quick, it's fast, it's funny. You move on. Um, and there are some improv groups that do stand-up comedy nights, and uh, you know. They are phenomenal. Like um, The Noise Next Door, they were on Britain's Got Talent. Um, but they have set that comedic late night tone that we're not setting. So we changed it to one Unscripted. Um, and I think it has improved the way people are perceiving us as a group. We're not an improv group. Hopefully we're a improvised theatre group. Um, but we do get a lot of people... We do get a lot of people at the end of a show going, oh, I really enjoyed that. I wasn't expecting it. Oh, you didn't pick on the audience. Oh, it was... Oh, that was so funny. And, oh, I knew it was him, like in the end of a murder mystery. I knew he did it. I knew he did it. And you're like, well, yeah. That, that one always makes me laugh. So that the structure of the
1: murder mystery is that the audience choose who the murderer is. That's the whole point. And then they come away afterwards going, I knew it was him. It's like you chose the murderer. It was your decision. Um, I've had
2: someone... Which is I've had someone... Was I the murderer or was I murdered? Oh, I was murdered. That's right. And another performer was the was the murderer. And someone came up to her at the end of the show and said, "Oh, did you have to all rehearse what you would say in case you were the the murderer?" And I was like, "You picked the location, which was a library in Scandinavia, and I was murdered by a book. How could you possibly prepare a murder confession?" For killing someone in Norway in a library with a book, how would we all prepare that? It's just not possible. And do you think actually? That's interesting.
0: Oh, go on, Ian. I've just got an improv question actually, because that one reminds that little experience that you're talking about reminds me of someone once told me or I read that actually you could choose to ask the audience to give you things, but quite often the audience will give you something that is that like that point you were saying that actually we we're looking to link things really it needs to be realistic within the context of this this character's life so suddenly like the murdered by a book in a Nordic Scandinavian library it's like are you just trying to be clever and funny by giving that or is it genuinely going to be something that's helpful for the character that's a great a, question so how so how often do you do you let the audience have that go
2: so this is and again coming at it as not being um, sort of short, sharp, short form, we had to take a take stock and think about this. And these are the things that we did. Um, I don't know if I can say this. Is this family friendly? Um, uh, nah, it's not a really. podcast. It doesn't the, really matter. There are three things that we get more than oh, yeah. anything else when people shout out, and they are AIDS, dogging, and dildo. <laughs> In our shows, if you ask for a suggestion, those would be the top three. What we've discovered, and I think a lot of other groups maybe are going down the route as well, is that if you ask someone to shout out, the people who shout out are the alphas who think they're hilarious. So we don't do that in our shows. We get people to write suggestions down. And we have them write suggestions right at the very top of the show. So we will pick them out of a bucket. So we will pick the location out of a bucket. If has as has happened I will get a suggestion that I think someone is trying to be funny I will usually say I can't read that one and I will put my hand back in the bucket um because I don't need you to get a laugh from your suggestion if it's going to ruin the show that's just pointless there's no absolutely no point in me doing that um and then we for our murder mystery for example um we ask them for victorian objects so we will Put our hand in, and we'll use that Victorian object throughout throughout the show. We also ask them to give us a, a text message that they sent yesterday, and we will use that as a piece of dialogue at some point in the show. Um, again, I have seen one very rude one where I put it back in and just picked another one out because I was like, "I'm not saying that out loud. That's that's stupid."
0: That's really nice though, because what you're doing that that particularly the text message you're using found you're using found verbatim as as part of your show so that's that is far more likely to lead to surprising things than someone trying to be clever
2: yeah we know. had a great one what was the one? Oh, um there was one dream. that we did where it fitted so well it was something about learning it was um she wanted to learn something and she said oh my father always says to me and i put my hand in the bucket i pull out the text message and it says Keep trying, try harder. <laughs> so it's like, what? Um, and the audience, you know, just laughed hilariously. I, I mean, and there
1: have been a few of those where it's just somehow fitting. Obviously, there are many of them where you read it out and it makes no sense. You've got to make sense of it, and that's quite fun. But then there are some yeah. where it like it just suddenly fits the scene perfectly. You're like, brilliant! Mm. I couldn't have written a better line myself. You know, it was just, yeah. you know, it's quite interesting. Um,
0: Serendipity. Yeah, yes. and yeah.
1: and I think and and certainly for me when I came into it, it it was. I was like, oh, I'm not sure about doing an improv show, and 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 then to have that element where it is ultimately you're telling a story, um, and 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 I think the audience really enjoy going on that journey. So the audience are part of the story because they they've created the location, they've been involved, but they're not being picked on, um, and 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 it comes to you know hopefully a, a nice natural conclusion and we were talking in and I have talked about in this um, little season of, uh, of this podcast was about storytelling in the in, in, in at home you know are people are people still really telling stories in the way that, that we perhaps used to at home and if not do you think there are some some of the tools or structure that we use that people could use
2: at home Yeah, well, I mean, the the once upon a time there was an every day until one day and because of that and because of that is such a simple tool. Um, And what's really nice is you can keep going with the because of that. (laughs) You can just keep going until you're bored because of that because until finally um, uh, and find something that you said Right at the beginning and try and reincorporate it at the end and then you've got a full story. Um, You could do that with your kids. You know, you could say once upon a time there was a princess and every day um, she rode her horse to the mountains and back until one day her horse was lame. And because of that, she um, went swimming in the lake. And because of that, and you can then, you know, turn to yeah. your children and say, yeah. and because she went skimming, swimming in the lake, what happened? Oh, maybe she got a cold, mummy. Maybe she did. And because of that, she got a cold. Do okay. it this later. <laughs> <laughs> it does work really nice. The other thing... But one thing oh, go on. Can I just say one thing I think that's really interesting about what we do that you don't have to do, um, that we don't have to do is... I think characters are really important in stories. They're the most important thing. You have to have a strong character who has a strong want. Um, And what's great about improv is that I, as the kind of, I don't know, pseudo director um, on stage, don't have to care about any character other than my own. So I can build, as an improviser, a lovely, wonderful, fully rounded character. And I know the theatre show We'll have lots of fully rounded characters because each individual performer cares about their character. So we're writing this wonderful story with because I couldn't play a character on stage where I just didn't care about them. That's just not possible. So we always produce um, interesting characters that you care about. And I've seen many stage plays where I've, where I've thought, I don't care about you. And I don't care about you. Whereas we, as performers, we're like, I'm going to make my character interesting because I want to have something to perform. And actually, that's an interesting thing
1: to do, sorry, Ian, um, within that framework, if you're doing the story spine, is to perhaps split off a little bit and say, well, let's find out a little bit more about what do you think about your character? What's her favourite colour? What's this, you know, and explore that as, as part of the storytelling process. What were you going to say, Ian?
0: I was wondering about, because I'm I'm sort of thinking about how you apply these processes to, um, uh, just because that's what we're kind of doing a bit at the moment, uh, being on your own in the booth and seeing if you can make up a story that you could tell to a microphone, but fundamentally to an audience. And what are these bits that you can do uh, as you're going along? And I suppose sometimes when I'm narrating a book um, and I'm not so keen on the book, one of the things that will piss me off is like, point this character. Why do we need to do that? Kind of get that out, move away, just stick to the base. And I suppose I'm imagining that if I was thinking of the story when improvising with a group, I wouldn't, I'd want to create characters that are really going to do something that are going to be important and move things along. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, you could be a waiter and be a bit silly for a bit, but what's the point? It's just like, you, it's, it's, it's almost embarrassing. So I yeah. guess if you're applying that thinking to yourself, trying to, and I imagine it'd be an incredibly difficult things to do, but trying to improvise alone, um, that might help you. <laughs> to I don't sort know of get what you mean. It. I
1: used to do it all the time as a child. I basically I keep watching my daughter now because she's five and she did it the other day, I said, Chloe, are you all right? She was crying. Um, in the mirror obviously. Uh, And I was like, are you all right? And she was like, oh yeah, I was just telling myself a sad story. And I was just like, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) But I distinctly remember doing that and I would improvise stories to myself in the mirror and cry and whatever. Um, And so I think you, I think you can do it on your own. I think it's quite, it's probably Mm -hmm. quite, because at the moment, you know, stress levels and things we were talking about this earlier are, are, are not great, and I think storytelling and improvising is a way to express that. And actually, one of the stories in, and I was saying before, one of the things I do uh, with Ethan is we have a little storytelling session at night. So part of his bedtime routine is he improvises a story, and uh, and I make up a story. His story is normally about a banana and some poo, um, but one of the one of the things that keeps coming up with, within his stories is the fact that this banana is lonely and he's lost all his friends. You no, know, so it's, it's really sad. But it's interesting for him to to be expressing that and and to be talking about that. And I think, you know, encouraging that kind of improvisation and and playing around with stories is can only be healthy for um, for kids. I think.
0: Um, yeah. What's your views, Kit, on that sort of? that idea of telling a story without a direct audience.
2: Wow. Um, so because what we do is always with an audience and when we rehearse, it always has a very different feel than when you're with a live audience. Mm. Um, but we do do some great shows. We make ourselves laugh quite a lot. So you, you, I guess you have an audience of one, which is you, Um I guess it may also be a bit freeing, actually, because there are sometimes in our shows when the audience likes something and you can tell from the sort of, you know, I don't know how to say low level feedback. You can certainly tell whether people are leaning in or leaning out or looking at their phone and things. But I do find sometimes you go down the crowd pleasing route. And I think we have had scenes where one performer has been doing a little bit of a a flourish on stage and the other performer has been going yes anyway <laughs> can we do the story please um so i i think it's interesting actually if you don't have a direct audience you might you you're having more of an an individual artistic journey you're, you're going on what you think what what matters to you and you're creating probably something more personal
1: uh, on that subject so, actually. yeah so
0: maybe that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Sorry, um, Sarah. No, no. I was become g- a more of a personal thing. Yeah. yeah. I was going to yeah.
1: um, bring it back to sort of the, the the way that improv works as well, particularly in this uh, format, um, is about it, it's not a one man show. It is a team effort. And there's lots of things that we use to make sure that we are supporting the other actors and not uh, either to the detriment of the story or to the detriment of someone else's character. And there are things like yes and, uh, which we use, which are really useful. So tell us a bit about that, Kit. Explain
2: yes and. Explain yes and. I think what's the most, what's the one that everyone uses? It's something like um, one performer walks on stage and says, give me all your money. And the other performer says, why have you got a banana in your hand? Or one performer walks into a stage and says, um, Um, Or my dog's ill. Well, why have you come here? It's a greengrocer, And that's such a clear block. That's saying, no, I'm not accepting the premise that you have set up. Obviously, if someone walks on stage and says, please, can you help me? My dog's ill. I need some help. You are now a vet. That's your role. And that's me yes-anding. I don't have to say, yes, and I'm a vet. I, you know, I just become a vet. And so I go, how... How did it happen he's got a massive stick through his mouth oh he chased a stick down the road and and then we've created a scene where we're supporting one another and i like this analogy a lot I, analogy i like this thing a lot which is there are five people on stage if you're one of them and four people have got your back you know it's a good scene because you know four people are looking out for you they're going to make you look good they're going to do everything in their power to make your suggestion great and similarly, I do that for other people. And it's that supportiveness in telling the story that makes a great story. There's not one person pulling, it. oh, and then there was a car crash and they, they jumped into a jet ski and the jet ski jumped over the Eiffel Tower because now that you're know, like, what? Um, it, it's built one brick at a time and each person brings one brick.
1: And I genuinely think it's a useful tool for kind of everyday life particularly I think people we might need to teach people this when we get to go back to real life because everyone's going to have forgotten how to have a conversation with more than one person so everyone's just going to be vying for for centre stage so I think well, certainly all the friends I know so we will have to introduce it so we're going to meet but we're going to use yes and <laughs> we're all going to have a nice conversation and be supporting each other and not be shouting at each other.
0: I think, that's, I think that work needs to happen already, <laughs> yes. uh, t- to be honest. I think, like, I think improvisation is such a, a brave and challenging thing to do that so many people don't do it because of fear, the same fear that stops them from genuinely interacting with people and going on social networks yeah. instead. It's the same thing. I think that there's so much to be learned from that process. And, and that, like you say, that giving, that going with, it's like if my son comes to me and we're doing shop or whatever, then actually it's far more important and giving for me as a parent to, to say, oh, hello. Yes, absolutely. How can I help you today? Um, <laughs> and go, and and going with that rather than than sort of tripping him up and saying, no, no, this is uh, Iron Mongers, what are you doing yeah. here? Or whatever. There's So I think that... And if you think about that, just kindness, actually, isn't it? Yes. That's just kindness. Just be kind. Uh, I do have yeah.
2: occasionally in my, my real world job where I will come up against someone and they go, no, we're not doing that. I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? Why are you supporting my improvisation? <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> I get quite arsy then. I'm like, what do you mean, no? <laughs> what are you basing your opinion on? <laughs> no. What's this? <laughs>
1: And, and obviously, actually, funnily enough, I think within the, within what we're having to do at the moment on Zoom calls and stuff, actually, I think if people learn a little bit more improvisation, then Zoom calls uh, could be slightly more tolerable because you do always end up with someone who takes over, someone who talks over somebody else and, and, and all that sort of stuff.
2: I heard a really good... I've just watched... Um, I work in a very male-dominated um, environment and I watched... Um, uh, what do they call it? Dibs. So instead of... Uh, equality, uh, diversity and inclusion. It was DIBS, which was diversity, inclusion and belonging. I really liked the beeve to mean belonging. And she said, I suggest that when you have Zoom calls, you buddy everyone up. And it's the buddy's job to make sure that your buddy isn't talked over. So if someone is talking over your buddy, you go, oh, sorry, I think Liz had something she wanted to say there. Because it's much easier for another person to point out that they haven't spoken, it's really hard for me to go. Um, I just at, actually can I just, I just, you look like an idiot. Whereas, when someone else says Liz hasn't spoken yet, she wanted to say something. I thought, whoa, what a good idea!
0: And that's a complete link to what you're saying in terms of the, that. That's the the other four people on the stage having your back thing, isn't it? Support. Hmm. Mm. Oh, that's great.
2: Interesting. That's
0: really nice. Yeah. Um. We've probably been chatting for half an hour ish have we is that about right yeah (laughs) a bit more than that um but that was great great conversation so you are going to come back kit with sarah as well and do it and we are going to try and you're going to try and do a little show or as a as a zoom or something
1: yeah as a a kind of audio version what 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 should we do with that one kit what should we what are we going to do because i'd originally talked about little flower um but you mentioned something else what did you say to do did you? I, did, I
2: didn't mention anything. No, though. haven't you? Oh, um, I, thought you
1: said, I thought you said something else. It was whether we go away no. as a group and we do um, Little Flower and we'll do that lovely as a... Lovely Flower. Lovely Flower, yeah. Little Flower. Um, Zoom, whoosh, whatever we call whatever. it these days. Um, yeah, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about that then. So tell us about Lovely Flower and how that works.
2: I actually don't know its real name. Okay. I think in America, some people call it Spokes, maybe. Um, we've started calling it Lovely Flower. Maybe that's its real name. Um, a very simple story idea, which is you have the center of the flower and you have leaves. So you start in the center and the center is the main core story. It's going to be your central character and it's going to be a start, finish and end all in the center. But after you've done a bit in the middle, you build a leaf. And a leaf is maybe something that happened in the past that relates to your character. Or maybe it can be something that's happening at the same time, but it's a little thing that's happening on the side. So if you've mentioned maybe your central character is a cook, one of the leaves might be um, the grocer's where she buys her her food. Um, And then when you've done a leaf, you come back to the middle story. Time has moved on, the story has moved on, and then you build another leaf and you just keep doing this. And we do it with five leaves. So you have one central story, but you have five little spin-offs. And the idea should be that by the time you get to sort of leaf number four, you're starting to work out a resolution. Um, So that leaf number five, the last leaf, leads you into the, um, the final happy ending or unhappy ending, whichever way you want to go. Um, and so, yeah, as, as improvisers, we will usually have one or two people to play the central characters and that, that's the bit in the middle. And then everyone else gets the fun because in a way a leaf is a, can be the fun bit because you can create a leaf story that actually is maybe giving context and you can have a bit more comedic license there because you're not going to break the story. You're you're adding color to the story. And that's, that's something we've been trialing on Zoom because it's a format that doesn't, um, we don't stand up you know, we don't have to stand up and wave our hands. We can go. Okay, I'm doing a leaf bit now, and I can do a silly voice and a character. Um, we were hoping to turn it into um, a set of podcasts, but really, we're much better at doing it in person um, and meeting in a group and recording as a group.
1: Mm. But we're gonna do we're gonna do oh. a special one for for us, which we're gonna yeah. do yeah. In the next week or so, that goes. We've well, we done brilliant. we've done some really fun ones. I mean, that, when we did, what was the one where? We were all just, uh, it ended up being like a fairy tale type. They one. nearly always are fairy <laughs>
2: tales. I don't know why. <laughs> I have got the recordings of the last two. Um, if you oh, yeah. wanted to oh, I try forgot. One Oh, of those. yeah, we could
1: have a listen to those.
0: Okay. I've forgotten that you've got those.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll have a listen so to there's those. There's some already. Re- okay, mm,
0: cool. I forgot. I was going to ask you as well, just as it So, um, I always th- want, there's something about improvised work that doesn't always get the same kind of artistic support and funding and merit as um, other work and I wondered how you'd found that
2: I mean we have zero funding anyway Uh, I do know of groups that have actually tried to get Arts Council funding for improv and as far as I'm aware no one has been successful I think the Birmingham Improv Festival um, the last year that it ran in in person did get funding so but it's a festival, a f- a festival. rather than a, yeah but i yeah. do know a couple of groups that applied and 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 it got a slightly dismissive response um which is interesting uh, i don't know if you say devised theatre <laughs> then you probably would get the funding but when you say improvised theatre it's almost like oh well, that's just making it up and getting on stage isn't it as if you don't see the hours that we put in the rehearsal room to get to understand one another, to understand our structure, to know what a story is. It's all very well saying improvisation is just standing on stage. We as a group have to understand when a scene needs editing. We have to understand when those two characters have had as much as they're going to have in terms of the give and take of that scene. Um, We have to be directors on stage. And you you can't just... turn up in a rehearsal room and do that one day, that comes from us working together for years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. And and I think actually, so I think next time if we apply for funding, if we call it improvised storytelling, uh, we, mm-hmm. you, might, you might get it that way and do it that because I think that mm-hmm. would... Uh...
0: Well, and also have a participation element and yeah. something about, um, yeah, kind of excellence within participation and <laughs> support and trauma informed then then you'll be funn <laughs> with it i
2: have i have actually done improv for uh, young people who weren't getting jobs uh, and i did improv around um Job interviews, and I realised there's so many relevant things from improv, like say yes and, and you know, uh, bring a brick. She's going to ask you a question, the interviewer. You bring a brick. You you offer something back. You know, if she asks you a question, go yes, and let me explain how I have. You know, don't be afraid. Be supportive. Um, Yeah, I was like, oh, I could do that. I worked
0: for years for a a company touring prisons, and there the theatre that they used in prisons was based on improv but but, but with structured um but yeah the, the fundamental principles of the work that we would always do with the men after the performance were exactly that it's like okay so it's visits and your missus is coming in to see you um uh, and yeah you know, she's got some bad news she's got a, a, a bad debt or something like that you know how to react and it's it's exactly wow. the same thing. Which yeah.
2: which which company? Not that was geese. with geese. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. With geese. Yeah. I did their yeah. one of their courses. I did their, oh, I can't remember what it was. Another brick in the wall. I can't remember some some course. Um, they did like a one day's course, and yeah. I found that really interesting. Um, the way you can get the audience to ask question uh, to, to tell you what's happening. So you're not going to use words, you're going to do something. And then they t- will tell you what's happening. And yeah, so they in use the, mimes and stuff. Yeah. And,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And in absolutely. the process
2: of them telling you what's happening, they're giving information away, but without you asking. Like yeah. without someone saying, what are you in for? Um, you know, yeah. it's quite a strong question. Whereas yeah. if they say, oh, yeah, he was off stealing a car. You go, oh, wow, you've given information yeah. that wasn't directly asked as a question. I was like, oh, that's clever.
0: Yeah, it's like, so it's a listening, isn't it? It's the listening skill of what's so... Because they might say, I was still in the car, or they might say, oh, he's a, he's a junkie waster. Um, and it's like, oh, so that probably tells me that you are not a drug user and you have very strong opinions about the drug users that you share the prison cell with. So it, it's that. And yeah. then, it, so then, you know, if I want to create a moment of heat and I want this guy to get involved, I'm going to pad up, I'm going to put this person in a cell with a drug user and that's going to be a problem for them so wow. yeah it's that listening isn't it i suppose I, it's harder to do that with a less because geese's work is obviously so specific mm. to a, sp- a very specific you can't guarantee that your audience when it comes in is gonna have it might be you might say well, well we're gonna have a fair few people that think they're turning up for a comedy night or we might have a few people that are left of center and a bit arty i don't know but beyond that you can't you can't you wouldn't be able to specifically work out who was in the room so you're back to more broader strokes of human behavior i i guess to sort of react to um and that's the thing i've i that's the thing i find scary about well i've done that kind of improv with groups of you know very okay. violent people i don't mind it because i know exactly who they are yeah well, i didn't mind it then i'd probably be a bit, a bit rubbish these days but um but yeah, walking into a room, people are a complete mix, and just doing a story for the sake of a story—that's got to, yeah, that they got to enjoy in some way. I, I yeah, think you've got to you've got to really cover tough. all
2: bases. You've got to yeah, cover all bases. Yeah. But we do, yeah. we I do always do a good introduction where I try and set the audience at ease and try and give them um, an understanding of what's about to happen, so that there's no right from the off, we're all on the same page. There's no. <sighs> We're not going to pick on you. We're not going to bring you on stage. Um, You've given us suggestions. Thank you very much. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show. We're going to improvise a full-length show for you now.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting, actually. And often when I've seen people doing more improvised theatre work, there is often a moment of facilitation at the beginning of the show, which is about setting expectations. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't see that in other art forms, actually, so much. But, But with improvised work... You see that a little bit, but more, again,
1: okay. I think it's because you 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 could potentially run into the issue of the audience coming in thinking they're coming to see improv and thinking that means they can heckle, they can make dirty yeah. jokes, and they can and it isn't about that, um, mm. and uh, and not that we're being uh, elitist or, or it's not it's just a different format. And we are being slightly and elitist. it's not jazz? It's
2: not <laughs> <yeah. So laughs> it's true. You Google improv, you get an awful lot of jazz. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, but we do we do
1: have a musician uh, uh, on our team as well who uh, improvises bits of music throughout the evening as well, which is absolutely brilliant, phenomenal. Yeah, it's That's hilarious.
0: Nice. We, we should draw this to a close. We We've got to go. It's yeah. minutes. Yes. Um, uh, Kit. Where can people? F- obviously, you can say this. We we'll, we'll put this. We'll put the story out there. The improv story that you do. We will do that as a separate thing. So, on this, just this episode, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Where do if you perform? I'm... What's going on? That's
2: well, right. <laughs> well uh, you can know. find us on our website at falconunscripted.com. At the moment, we don't have any live shows, um, but I believe we've just had an announcement that in July things should be back. Oh, has, has it just happened? Outdoor shows. So, fingers crossed, we'll be doing Winterbourne House in the summer, which is oh, our summer show. Is so do a murder good. mystery outside. My favourite show of the year.
1: I know. I know. That sounds really ridiculous because we're in it, but it's brilliant. It's so much fun. We're out on a terrace. They have afternoon tea and gin um, and we do generally, it's a 1920s one, isn't it? Uh, we do like a 20s improvised murder mystery and it's just Where? Lovely. Where do you do it? It's in, in Birmingham at uh, uh, in... a place called Winterbourne House.
0: And, you t- and your rehearsals and stuff take place in Birmingham as well. It's a very Birmingham-based oh, yeah. overall well. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yes. Great. Thanks very much, Kit. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. So thanks once again for Kit um, from Foghorn Unscripted for coming along and chatting to us about um, everything to do with improvising a theatre performance and a story. I hope you found that useful. If you'd like to listen to um, one of the improvised performances created by Foghorn Unscripted, they actually recorded one, especially for us, um, which they did recently. The show's, the the story, the, the play is called Water. And um, you will find that on our sister podcast, which is That's Another Story Told, in which we just share lots of different stories being read by different narrators. Um, And you can find that on episode 12 on That's Another Story Told. So go and listen to that. Um, They did record it on Zoom. And as you can probably imagine, improvising on Zoom is has its technical issues so there is sometimes a a few technical problems here and there um, but it certainly gives you a, a really good understanding of what's possible and the way that they're playing with each other to create the story as they go along. So have a listen to that. Um, as ever, you can find all the information about myself, about Sarah, and of course about Kit and Falkhorn Unscripted in the show notes. So look at those and please do share this show far and wide. If you've got the time, it'll be wonderful if you wouldn't mind just leaving us a review or a like or recommending it to somebody. Thanks very much. Goodbye.